Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guest for this episode is Gary Feiereisen, a research agricultural engineer with USDA ARS. He is based in St. Paul. Gary, let's begin with just a brief overview uh, on on what your title really means when you say ARS scientist. Explains to uh, explain to our listeners what we're talking about here. Hmm, that's a good question. I'm an ag engineer. There are many aspects to agricultural engineering. I'm in the soil and water discipline where we look at water in agriculture, basically the hydrologic cycle, what happens, you know, in the cropping system, and of course in our part of the world the drain drainage is a big deal you know we we get excess precipitation it goes away how do we handle that quantity of water and then the quality aspect of it too we're always working toward reducing our nutrient load through the tile drain system so we we look at different strategies to do that the the management of the nutrients nitrogen for example the cropping system rotations and then we also can treat the water once it leaves the field with edge of field conservation practices. So I work on on those things. As you point out, this is a very important issue in Minnesota. Have you been working in the state for a while? Yes, actually, um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a character. I suppose I had 20 years in, an, in another industry, actually, and then I went back to grad school at Minnesota and My PhD was actually in cover cropping systems and the probability of reducing nitrate losses through them. Then I've also worked in the southeast in the peanut cotton area, which was interesting, different system. And also I was in Pennsylvania, but I've been back here in Minnesota for another dozen years now. And as we start to zero in on southeastern Minnesota, Faribault County, what led to you applying for this innovation grant from the Minnesota Corn Growers? Well, that's a great question, Mark. Um, We were made aware about five years ago about a very large denitrifying bioreactor system that was being put into uh, onto a county ditch system near Blue Earth. So we got involved with the design of that and help them design it. It's the largest system in the country that I know of. There are actually three very large beds there. So for five years, we've been monitoring in and out of those bioreactor beds. The What I realized is these three strategies that I mentioned before, which are infield management, um, cropping system, and edge of field treatments could all be kind of tested on this watershed. And to do that, we'd like to monitor a a neighboring watershed. So we came to the Minnesota corn growers and asked them to help us with monitoring the side-by-side watershed. So so that's how that proposal came to be. So it started in in Blue Earth County. Now you're you're working adjacent in Faribault County. Is this part of the research new? Is this the first year then that you've been in Faribault County? Well, no. It's always confusing in Minnesota. Blue Earth is in Faribault County, so it was by Blue Earth. It wasn't Blue Earth County, but actually all the work has been near the city of Blue Earth in Faribault County. So the bioreactors were there in Faribault County, and then this new watershed, the side-by-side one, is also in Faribault County. I see. Yes, that, that does get confusing for me. Gary, as you think about what you've 
gathered so far from this research? What rises to the top as far as its significance, not only for farmers in the state, but for you know everybody around that water impacts everybody? And so as you think about what's been most impactful through this research so far, what immediately comes to mind? Well, you bring up a good point, Mark. Um, if we look at the map, actually, the, the site location is right in the center of the Des Moines lobe, which obviously passes down into northern Iowa. So whatever we learn here is really applicable in terms of the soils and the, the history of the, the soils and the climate. It's applicable to pretty good chunk of southern Minnesota and northern Iowa, central Iowa. The the side-by-side monitoring has, we only have data from this year, 2021. We just got this up and running um, late last fall. And I think that one reason we're out there is as, as a scientist, I'm there to serve. And I'm there to provide feedback to the local producers. And, and these watersheds, by the way, are about a square mile. So there's a half dozen producers or so that have fields in there. And we're sharing the information back to them. So I think that's what's going to have the impact here. And, and this is what the corn growers want, too, is they want the producers involved. So we have instrumentation, for example, that is giving feedback on the nitrate concentration and how that fluctuates with different weather patterns and events. Then by knowing side-by-side comparison, you know, what's different about this? Is it the management of this watershed over here, or is it the hydrology of that watershed? And how, how does that pan out over time? So I think that's the most important thing is this interaction with the producer and the feedback so that they under, begin to understand you know, what, what's happening with the water as it leaves their fields. With the producer responses, do you find that, that many are, are open-minded to this? Is there some hesitation or concern about being told what they're supposed to do as opposed to what they've been doing? How receptive have farmers been? That's a great question. I, I work very closely with the Soil Water Conservation District, and the program manager told me, Gary, we don't want somebody from St. Paul coming down here with a white coat on and telling these guys what to do. So and I'm not inclined to do that anyway, but we're trying to enlist you know, their help in deciding what to do. You know, is there something, some coordinated effort we can make here over time that would make a difference? We have producers that run the gamut. It's a very interesting watershed because we've got, you know, we've got the person that lives right next door and this is their farm, their main farm. We've got rental property where people are, you know, coming in and and, uh, people that farm thousands and thousands of acres are in there. You know, we've talked to the the investment company that owns the land. We've got some that are farming, you know, their aunt, their aged aunt's land, some that are a little bit almost organic, and some are very, you know, much into pushing the limit. So it's been very interesting. They've been very candid with me, and uh, and I appreciate that. I encourage them and tell them I'm not a, I'm not a regulator, I'm a researcher. But I understand their position too, is there, you know, there is a fair amount of concern that the data that we gather will be used against them. And and that's something I struggle with and, and want to, to try to overcome because unless we know what's happening now, we, and uh, you know, we can't document progress. So it, it's a tension for sure. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there there would be a, a fair amount of cost associated with some of these practices, too. When you think about cover crops or a bioreactor system, that is uh, a cost for the producer. And given your role at, at USDA, certainly uh, you're more familiar with some of the programs that might be available for cost share, things like that. But is that another potential hang up for, for producers is uh, the upfront cost? Oh, that's for sure the case, Mark. could just talk about each of these things a little bit. The bioreactor, um, that was put in with, actually before I came along, the local people, Soil Water Conservation District and um, Watershed Associations put together a package of federal, state, and local money to put that in. But you do have an upkeep cost to it for sure, and it doesn't really produce anything for the producer. So that's an issue. Um, however, one of the angles that we're taking is, is we, we are monitoring the nitrate concentration going in and out of these bioreactors, and we can prove how many pounds are removed. So if trading ever does come along, you know, this could be potentially have some revenue associated with it. So as a researcher, I'm still thinking beyond, you know, it's not just the immediate, it's maybe in some someday in the future, we need that. One of the approaches that we we're taking here, though, is that we want to stay within as much as possible the existing framework for uh, payments. For example, cover crops. Uh, Faribault County is very aggressive at promoting them, and they know what cost shares there are and so forth. We, we haven't really gotten to that point yet, but if, say, we wanted to take one of these watersheds and, you know, cover it maybe three-quarters, two-thirds of it with cover crops, is there a way we could do that within the existing framework of payments. So that's what we're thinking about. You said earlier that this is the, the first year, so you're you're gathering results uh, and looking at the news release here, sort of building a baseline. So give our listeners an idea of what the next steps will be when we'll be able to know more about your findings and, and how those findings will be sort of put into practice, if you will. Mm-hmm. This is a, a multi-year initiative. And that, that's one advantage that we have as, as ARS researchers. We have base funding and we can look at things over a long period of time, whereas the university researchers tend to need, if they're going to work off the university research farms, um, they tend to get grants that last three years and it's tough to keep something like this going. Um, it's needed to keep going because uh, we need some years to get a kind of an average. You know, we see a drought year like this with very little flow. Actually, the previous two years were two of the the, the wettest on record there. So we have to go through some of these up and down cycles so that we can establish how, how these two side by side watersheds work. So I, I over the what what we do is we we meet with the producers year by year and we'll as we are confident that we have got some relationships built we'll we'll just work with them to see how you know what what can we do can we use cover crops is somebody willing to try tillage difference um those are they're kind of open-ended and it's quite frankly risky for me as a researcher researchers like to have things kind of nailed down we're going to do this for three years and then we'll see did this help or not this is a little bit more open, but there's going to be dialogue back and forth. We'll use existing programs. We may be able 
uh, once we have a baseline set, we may be able to attract some some larger funding to to do to do the conservation practices. Gary, what do you think this says to researchers like yourself, to farmers, but also to just the citizens of Minnesota to have a group like the Minnesota Corn Growers who provide this type of funding with, through the Innovation Grant Program? What does that say to to everybody that it touches? Well, I think it, you know, Minnesota Corn realizes environmental outcomes are an important aspect of farming and they're, they're involved. They, I, they're good at recognizing the need for solid numbers, you know, behind what we're seeing in the field. They, they want farmers to be in, involved. I think uh, it's important to, yeah, it's, it's really important. You, you know, when you mentioned the citizens of Minnesota, you know, more, more live in the city area than in the country area. And so I, I look at this effort and what they're doing is trying to create understanding maybe back and forth about what what's going on you know what are the challenges and how can we together go forward and and meet them if someone would like more information about this project where would you direct them the minnesota corn website has a a research page and there would be um, a, a link to our our project summary there. And I, I don't know what, I'd say minnesotacorn.org, I think is the base, is the base webpage. MNcorn.org. I've, I've said that yeah. a time or two, so I've got it well-versed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gary, anything else on, on this project that you want to make sure we talk about that we haven't yet? No, I think, I think we've described kind of in general what, what's going on here. One thing about the site itself, it's right on US 169, so it's very visible. And we have field days there from time to time. It's it's an interesting site. One of the, the things that I got feedback, in fact, just two weeks ago, we had the group out there kind of for our annual open field day. COVID has been a little bit of an issue, but we were outside this year and able to talk with them. And a couple of them gave me feedback, you know, this is really interesting. They're very interested in it. So I I appreciate that feedback. And for more on Minnesota corn and how checkoff dollars are being utilized, visit mncorn.org.